forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in time to tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Hi, this is how a podcast starts. <laughs> uh, what I'm going to do is have you go around this table and introduce yourselves on the microphone so the listener knows what your voice sounds like. Tell the listener where they may have seen your name on their television screen. And Erica, let's start here with you. Sure. Uh, so I work with my writing partner, Boyan Kim, and we've worked on Rain on the CW, Star Trek Discovery, and we're getting up and running on the Star Trek spinoff, Section 31. Hi, my name is Boyan Kim. I go by Bowie, and I'm Erica's shorter writing partner, <laughs> <laughs> and everything Erica just said. Hi, uh, I'm Zaheer McGee. Uh, I worked on private practice for uh, three seasons, and I did Scandal for six seasons, and then a show no one watched, but was kind of good for the people. Uh, and uh, now I am currently, um, I have a deal at ABC, and I work on Stumptown. Uh, hi, I'm Taylor Cox. Uh, I'm currently on Single Parents. Uh, before that, I was on Abby's on NBC. Um, before that, I, I worked for Amazon doing a couple shows for in the kids space. I did Just at Magic and the Kicks. Uh, and before that, I had my first uh, staffing, staffing stuff doing animated stuff for Cartoon Network and for DreamWorks, which was super fun. Um, so I want to start with um, not how you broke in, because I'm honestly tired of having those conversations. <laughs> and I think that there, you know, there's always something to take from them, but nobody has the same breaking in story. Um, but I am going to ask you guys, uh, Erica and Bowie, to mm -hmm. tell a story I'm sure you have told a thousand times, which is how you started writing together. Um, but what I'm more interested in is how you write together. Mm. Very good question. Uh, so we actually, we met in undergrad. We went to Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania. We met because we were assigned to be badminton doubles partners. And <laughs> varsity. Yeah. At a women's college. We were not very good. But, um, but that's actually how we met. And uh, throughout college, we sort of were always talking about TV and movies. And we both had sort of some interest in the process behind all of that, but we weren't like actively pursuing careers. And, uh, you know, it was sort of a slow growing thing where as, um, as we kept in touch after we both graduated, mm -hmm. we started to learn more and more about the process. And there was one thing, a podcast in particular, that really let us uh, see what the writer's room was like. And that was the Ron Moore's podcast for Battlestar Galactica, where he was actually talking about, you know, here's all the things that the writers sort of put into an episode, how you develop a story, how the writer's room works as a collaboration. And all of that stuff was mind opening for us. And we both sort of devoured the podcast you know like we were super into the show already yeah, yeah. and that was a huge bonding point we, for us and erica was doing her phd in neuroscience in at usc and i was sort of back in korea with my parents sort of semi-unemployed and sort of <laughs> you know doing a soul-crushing work of translations and we had both binged the show and the podcast at the same time and it was really really eye-opening for us and just really got to show us that this is something you can do which i know like every Everyone has that moment when it sort of clicks for you. Um, and so we, you know, and we were like just nerds about it. Like we, we, cause we were, you know, like 
very far away from each other, but we would be sending emails, just like writing, like basically like essays on like our favorite, favorite episodes of Battlestar Galactica, favorite tracks that we have to listen to by Bear McCrary. And like, <laughs> like this is like, this scene was awesome because blah, blah, blah. And like, we still have those emails and sometimes yeah. we go through it just to remind ourselves like, how much of a dork we, we were. We were such nerds. <laughs> and then we may have scared one of our writers on Discovery because she, she wrote on Battlestar Galactica and she had no idea what, how obsessed we were with the show. Um, but yeah, just all that kind of really inspired us to maybe try writing. We both had sort of dabbled in writing, um, you know, like in college classes and stuff. But, you know, we we knew enough um, to know that everyone sort of starts out by writing specs before pilots, because that was sort of what the, the order was. Mm-hmm. So we wrote a Castle spec together because Castle was sort of the the mm-hmm. first hybrid show that was both a cop show and funny. Yeah. Um, so we wrote that and shockingly that spec got like one second place in a screenwriting competition and we we're all like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I guess we like do okay together <laughs> as a team. So, you know, yeah. I think with all good writing teams go, like it just sort of came out organically. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, I put a Craigslist ad out being looking for a writing partner which actually happens when you when you yeah like it's a thing like you see it on Facebook groups all the time they're like looking for writing partners via Facebook but but yeah yeah. I mean so much of it was just having overlapping interests and uh, similar sensibilities is so important to being able to write as a team and uh, it was yeah it was something where we you know to answer your second question, what the process is like, so much of it has been a learning curve. You know, like the first, the castle spec, we literally split it down the middle. We're like, you write the first half, I'll write the second half, you know, and then you swap it back and forth. Um, and now we're at a point where, like, when we get a script, it's like horse trading. It's like, okay, I'll take this scene, you yeah. take that scene. One person should have all of these scenes because they're part of the same arc. <laughs> But this is a juicy scene, so it's not fair for you to have all the expos. You know, like, it's just yeah. trying to figure out, you know, what's a fair sort of uh, division of labor. But but it also speaks to, like, what are your strengths? Like, the more you work together, the more you know, okay, you're really good at Mm -hmm, action, mm -hmm. you're really good at sort of, you know, sort of snappy dialogue, you're better at whatever, and so we'll try to play to those strengths a lot, too. Do you find that, I mean, how long have you two been working together? Nine years? Yeah, almost yeah. nine years. Yeah. I mean, I, I work with a partner also, mm-hmm. and we sort of found that over the years, mm-hmm. we did both come to it with different strengths. But in that time, we now, I think we've learned so much from each other that we yeah. kind of do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has mm-hmm. that been the case? There, Yes, I would say like there's a sort of a tendency towards, we know, also just the more scripts you write, the more you practice the different muscles. Yeah, so, totally. yeah. But they're like, they're still pretty clear, like, things that one of us yeah. does better like, than the I other. I really but... don't want to write techno babble. You <laughs> with the PhD write the techno babble for me and I make Erica do it. <laughs> That's fair. I'm curious um, about yeah. how the how do, how do you guys work out the fights? I want the juicy stuff. <laughs> like when the rubber meets the well, road. We it's do like a badminton I firm... competition. Ah, awesome. <laughs> No, she would actually kick my ass. <laughs> She's also taller and stronger than me. <laughs> so this is actually my first year without a writing partner. And um, yeah, and so this is so fun getting to watch another team tell their origin story. Because I remember just we've told it so many times that like it is verbatim. Like, you know where the laughs are going to mm-hmm. come. You know when to pimp out mm-hmm. the other person. And watching you guys do it so flawlessly. I'm like, oh, they've done it. Like, they're working. They've done it. They're like, and her, because I can't be like, 
I have a PhD, but you can be like, and my partner exactly. with a PhD. And yep. it's like so brilliant. <laughs> and the way that you effortlessly were like, and you know, she's better at quippy dialogue. Because like, clearly just being like, as a team, we're good at quippy dialogue. And it's so brilliant. And I just loved watching that with all my heart and soul. Uh, it seems like you have a very like effective, beautiful partnership. Um, God bless. I like to think we do. Yes. Yeah. We're also roommates. So we no like, way. really, yeah. yeah. Uh, brave. Yes. Thank you. I, I, I'm so brave. You I know. mean, yeah. yeah. It's, well, I mean, working with someone. We're both neat freaks. So like that kind of works out. And, and when we don't want to talk, we just close our doors. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautifully said. Um, we got to talking a little bit about process there. And Zahir, I want to ask about yours. You have recently been working on a pilot. Is that right? Yes. I'm, I sold something to ABC that's due like now. Which sounds so great. So tell <laughs> yeah. us where you are in that uh, process. In the process. And like, what is your, because yeah. this is like one of the so rare parts where you're yeah. just writing. Yeah. So I've been doing, I mean, the problem is you're doing 10 other things. I'm pitching something else and also working full time on Stumptown. So uh, you wish you have those moments where you're like, oh, this is the one thing that matters and I'm delivering this project to the network for the first time and and this is a big step forward in your career and you just can't focus on it every single day in the way that you want. Um, it has changed my process a little bit because I am not an outliner if I'm writing my own stuff. Um, I usually think about the first two acts over the course of like a month or a month and a half and then I feel like once I know how that's going to go, then I kind of just start writing and then it sort of flows from there. So this is process has made me as I'm sure you've talked about pitching in here before, it's like, okay, I went into a room and sold a lie to people. And then they go, yes, we want it. And then you walk out like absolute, everyone around you is so happy, all the producers, the studio, whatever, and you're like, oh my God, I sold a fucking lie to these people. Now I have to make the lie happen. Uh, and then I just feel like, God, this people are gonna hear this and, and whatever. But I'm like, the outline then is another lie. Like for me, I'm just, it, the writing process is so important. I'm not like a, I'm not a neat freak or a focused individual necessarily, and a lot of it is feeling to me um, and sort of like how I feel in that moment and what comes to me and sort of that that sort of organic genesis of ideas in the moment. And I, 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 to going back to Scandal, a lot of things that we came up with were because we were so under the gun. Mm -hmm. And then it's like some of the best things you come up with are not from the planning before, but it's like, oh my God, I have 10 minutes to figure out how this guy gets out of jail. <laughs> And then you come up with something that's super insane, like someone biting their wrist off or something like that. You know, like it's just super crazy. So so it is like changed my process a little bit. But at the same time, it is um, um, I'm still trying to find how you go from the outline stage and go to the discovery portion of figuring yeah. things out. And that's what's happening now. So I did uh, before I came here, finished at least one what I felt like was my first draft of the of the script. And, you know, I would say like it's different than the outline. And I don't know what the response is going to be to that. But um, yeah, I don't know that I answered the question. I just I just know that um, um, it's weird to have a regimented process for something that I don't necessarily feel like warrants it, at least for me. Yeah. I mean, let's let's dig into that for yeah. a sec and sort of talk about what your day looks like. I mean, I think there there really is something to that sort that formulating time right? Yeah. where you're well, thinking of your first acts or whatever. Yeah. It so is. that's usually like. Um, you know, I got off of a show um, in between um, 
after for the people and then Stumptown, I did a couple weeks on a show and then I got off and I was like, I really wanted to write something for myself because I hadn't done it for a while. So I just had this idea. So it's like, you know, desperate housewives with dudes. And so I was like, what does that look like? You know what I mean? What are these dads like? And, you know, I was just becoming a father. I just moved from downtown to the valley. And I was like, I just want to write something that's absolutely me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just sort of sat on it. And then I was like, well, you're not doing anything. You're just sitting around thinking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I just sort of started typing after I'd sort of thought about the main character, the other people that were going to populate the world. And um then sort of, you know, just kind of dove in. And then I go through this like blackout period, which is the same thing I go through when I'm pitching, which is like, oh shit, it's over. You know what I mean? Like every time I get to the end, I'm like, how did that happen? Because I never made the roadmap, you know? Like, um, and so that is, it's it's always this like mystical thing where I don't know how I got to the end. And I also am like, well, I'll never be able to do that again because I just conjured it up out of nowhere. And, and yet it keeps coming. It keeps coming. The but work doesn't stop. It's do you think crazy. if you explore it, it might stop? It might if go I, away? If I explore like, oh, when into Like the, how you get into that? No, I like the idea of like the, that this is magical. Like mm-hmm. it keeps me going that like this is there's something special to this that isn't math or science. I mean, I went to USC and I think um, I think there's different types of people who are at grad school. Uh, for film and there's people who are like artist types and I'm I'm air quoting because that's bullshit but like also <laughs> the the types where the, you're kind of like your notebook is out and the person's talking and it's like someone's going to give me the clue and I don't know that the clue exists or I don't want to mm-hmm. believe that the clue exists yeah. because that takes away from what I think yeah. and do I know there are other people who think there are clues you know and this is a way of doing it and a way of building it and this has worked over the course of time um, I can't do that or else I would lose my soul mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an important point after 500 episodes of talking to writers <laughs> for someone to say there is no one clue. There isn't. There uh, isn't. I, I'm glad you said that. Um, Taylor, I want to jump over to you and talk about um, – it's a little bit about your breaking in, but you did a lot of early stuff in animation and the kids space. Um did we cross over on Puss in Boots? <laughs> I I did um, the like sketches for DreamWorks. So I did a lot oh, of like, um, I did some Puss in Boots. I also did like Swamp Talk with Shrek mm-hmm. and Donkey. It was like the OMG sketch show. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think, like, King Jillian stand up, but it was mainly sketch based where I think yours was a full 11 yes. minute series. Um, so I did, I did work for Clarence for an episode doing an 11 minute series, but for the most part, it was uh, sketch in that genre and then I worked in the kids space but doing live action for Amazon. Okay. Um yeah. tell me about getting out of that and writing. Sure. Yeah, I do think there is a I think like sometimes the kids space gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um and people either love it and are so excited to be there or are like, oh it's a foot in the door. Um but I genuinely believe that in the kids space there's some of the most sophisticated storytelling. I mean we all love Pixar for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can, you know, cross boundaries you can watch it as a an adult or a child and enjoy it and it's good storytelling and it can be funny and good there's a lot of bad stuff out there uh, for (laughs) people who can read and for people who cannot read Um, exactly Uh, but so that was really fascinating when I got my first job I was so excited and I had no idea this stigma existed Um, I didn't know much about the world at all so I was just so excited to be in it but I remember then people asking me like are you afraid of getting stuck there and I remember being like wait like what do you mean (laughs) like I just got this 
job I'm so excited about and now I have to worry that I'll like never be able to write for people who can read because like I, I took one job on a show I liked um, and I remember being like so confused by that um, I think it's complete bullshit I think people say it all the time that like oh you know if you do too much of one thing you'll mm-hmm. be seen as just that um, I disagree wholeheartedly I think nowadays especially like if you write a good script and you're a person that people like and there's so many avenues to making good things if you want to cross genre you absolutely mm-hmm. can and that's both drama to comedy and kids to adults um, they're not that different form of uh, storytelling it's incredibly condescending uh, to you know s- make yourself seem better than because you're on like some sitcom for CBS that you think is better than some Amazon kids show mm-hmm. or whatever um, just not specifically to get into it um, <laughs> but it's it's um, yeah I think it's I think it's not real I think if you're feeling that um, if people are telling you that they're not good people in your life uh, I know a million great writers who have jumped from and I have a friend who did four years at Disney and then went straight to BoJack I know mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of people who have you know made the mm-hmm. leap quote unquote which is really just a step over to another show yeah. so um, don't be intimidated by that um, I was excited just because I did want to write uh, in this space and work with some people who were writing in this space so it was a fun quote unquote leap for me to make but mm-hmm. it was not this like crazy thing I did um, <laughs> that no one else can do <laughs> did you did you have a sample or something that painted you more that that showed the kind of comedy you wanted to write? Totally. Yeah. I actually never wrote a spec in the kids space. Um, most mm-hmm. most people in the kids space aren't even looking for kids spec. I know especially um, a friend who's an exec over at Cartoon Network. Uh, they don't want to see kids material. Mm-hmm. They want to see things that will make them laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can just assume that unless you're a crazy person, you can know the boundaries between like what's appropriate storytelling mm-hmm. for adults and children. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> right. And uh, hopefully is right. So I'm sure not they've guaranteed. definitely run into some of that being like, no, we're not going to tell this masturbation story it's uh, uh, 9 a.m. Saturday morning thank you for your time go over to Hulu um, but I think uh, yeah I just lost my train of thought but I think it's um, yeah I think what it's material did you have? oh oh yeah my material were... yeah oh honestly my material this the sample I have now um, which is a, a similar tone of the sample that I had with my writing partner is more of a dramedy anyway um, like a dark dramedy mm. and it ended up getting us both kids work and then getting us onto like a genre show which was not our specialty at all. And then getting us onto Abby's, which was a multicam, which was nothing like that. And then I wrote a dark comedy um, after my partner and I split and then ended up on Single Parents, which is like just a hard comedy. Um, I, again, I think uh, people are looking for voice, unique voices in storytelling. And if they find something that they like, it, it, doesn't really matter like obviously I think there's hopefully some jokes in my in my <laughs> scripts uh, and I think also just by the nature of having done other work I've shown that I can right. tell jokes um, but yeah I, again I think just write good things be nice to people <laughs> it all works out um, that write good things is the most important first step sure. right <laughs> like um, you know the the first thing that a potential showrunner or whoever is hiring you off of is a script. They're going to read you before they meet you. Um, what was it? Did you, did you all have a magic script for you? Did you have a one that broke through that showed a person hiring you what it was that they'd be getting from you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I fell so backwards into this is, I guess, kind of a breaking in story, but um, I was a comedy writer at USC, and my first job on a show was my second year at USC. I interviewed with Robert Carlock to go on 30 Rock. I thought I'd be a comedy oh. writer, 
and looking back on it, I think it was the year Donald Glover was leaving. So I would have been like following him, <laughs> writing something I couldn't write in like the funniest room in the world on the at the height of the show. So that would have been a nightmare. And I would be <laughs> certainly downtown L.A., but not inside the studio. Uh, and um, so I was writing comedy. And then I, you know, I got into at USC. Also, I was in the CBS uh, Diversity Fellowship. So I was writing How I Met Your Mother. And I just was like. Maybe I'd written a decent 30 Rock. I'm sure it sucks. But um, I could not write a multicam. Like, I just couldn't do it. And it was just so embarrassingly bad. And I was writing it, like, with the executives that covered the show. And it's like, you're embarrassed. Like, I'm literally about to be drummed out of the business. So that the head of the program was like, listen, we're, like, two weeks. This program's over in, like, two weeks. Like, you have to finish a script of some kind. Like, let's just pick your show. That's your favorite show. I had not written a drama up until that point. But at that – but currently in the world Friday Night Lights was just my favorite thing going yes. so I was like I get, it's so good that so pilot fans, I think yeah. is, fans. I think it's the best pilot one of the best pilots ever made Peter Berg was sitting behind me on a flight quick story uh, just recently and I'm like oh shit I just watched it because I was doing like a family show and a sports show so I watched it and then at the end in the morning I was like I'm not going to bother the guy but then in the morning he goes we're lined up to leave and he goes are you a filmmaker and I nearly melted. I died. And then I went through security with Peter Berg and he, him and his handler helped me through customs. It was incredible. Oh <laughs> but anyway, so I wrote a Friday Night Lights in like a week and a half. And then I was continuing to write comedy. I sent that into the ABC Disney Fellowship, not even thinking about it. It was the first drama script I had ever written. And then um, I had started getting meetings off this Eastbound and Down that I had written. And then Disney called and was like, do you want to do this? Like, you made it to the second round of the thing. And I mm -hmm. almost said no, because I thought I was going to break with this other script. Mm. And then that same person who told me to write the Friday Night Lights was like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, you have to do this. And so that was my entree into, and it's still the only drama spec. Really? Like, of an existing show that yeah. I've ever written. Wow. That's funny. What about you? Yeah, so we um, we definitely have a pilot that's been our our sample for years now and it just keeps you know sort of representing our our writing style really well but that was so it was the second pilot we wrote together uh the first one was very much an homage to Battlestar Galactica to Firefly to Cowboy Bebop yeah like all the space shows <laughs> um and we had lots of fun writing that but it was still you know very much our first pilot so there's you know like it shows a little bit, you know. I think when, it's like seventy pages long. Yeah, it's, it's like really like that, long. You know? Yeah, it's completely unproducible. But we had a lot of fun writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm still proud of it. You know, it's for a first pilot. Um, but then the one that we wrote after that, um, by that point we had managers, and so they were really encouraging us to write another one. And, um, and, they and, were, and they were like, maybe maybe write something that's set on Earth yeah. this time. We're like, okay. A little more, a little more grounded. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we wrote something that was kind of, you know, a cross between Minority Report and Inception. Um, but like with a procedural sort of bent because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had managers telling us it has to be, you know, it has to be sellable to a network. Um, and so it ended up being like this. It was still a lot of world building, and I think that's why it's been so, it's done so much for us, is because we sort of, it's a near future sci fi spec, but grounded, uh, which I think is something that's hard to pull off. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the, you know, 
this is not necessarily recommended. We have the first page of the script is actually like a lexicon of like words we we made up for the script. That's like here's the world you're about to jump into. Um, and then but, we like wrote a bible. I think like that's like nine pages long. We yeah. broke like three seasons of it. Like we wow. got like super into it. Um, and obviously like it didn't sell or anything, but it did get us into uh, the CBS fellowship. Um, and and got us a lot of really interesting and great meetings. Well, the 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 story we love to tell is that so we that got us into the CBS uh, program. And you know, you write a new spec within the program, but that one still needed a lot of work. So at the end of the program, they offer to sort of put you up for CBS shows, which is awesome. It's Not a great me. way to get in. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I was a long time ago. I'll blame it on that. Maybe, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's changed. But we, um, so we said, no, we'd rather use the old, the, the spec that got us in, the pilot that got us in, in order to go up for staffing. And so they submitted this sort of near future sci-fi spec to Rain, which is a basically teen historical soap, you know. Yeah. Um, Not sci-fi. <laughs> and so we were shocked when we got a, a meeting out of that. We were like, which sample did you read? And they're like, oh, yes, it's Immersion. And we're like, okay, we'll just go with it. Well, like, that was our first, you know, job interview. So we're just like, okay, we're not going to ask questions, you know. But I think it is sort of, there's, trans. it can translate a lot of skills from the world building, the character building, because historical dramas are actually, you know, a lot of being able to sort of transport yourself and the audience into this other time period with a whole different world and mm -hmm. all that. And I think that was something that really stood out to uh, to the showrunner. Yeah, and, and he had also mentioned the, um, that there was a specificity to our writing because we were using a lot of sort of made-up technobabble and lingo in sort of explaining the world. And, and we had a sort of female scientist character. So I think that's what they were responding to um, and liked the specificity and wanted us to bring that into, you know, researching the world of 16th century France. Um, so I think that ultimately sort of, yeah, won us all, uh, did, did really well in terms of getting us our first yeah, job. Yeah. Um, this all sounds like so much work. <laughs> you guys are so impressive. Yes. You're just writing about feelings. Just people <laughs> and feelings on yeah. earth present day. Like an educational butt joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about those first rooms that you all were in. Um, and that adjustment from like writing on your own, writing samples, writing for, even in programs. Being in a room is a very different thing. Mm -hmm. um, Taylor, why don't you kick this off? Sure. Um, I was obviously so thrilled to be in a room. I'm definitely an extrovert, and being surrounded by people all day was like such a treat, as opposed to <laughs> sitting alone being like, what about this, Abyss? Like, I have no idea. Um, so uh, it was such a treat. I got super lucky. Um, I've somehow, the majority of the rooms I've been in have somehow been like primarily women, and like, oh. I, which is like so not what Hollywood is. Um, so I've somehow just gotten really lucky in that, um, yeah, it's been a really good energy, uh, just a lot of really good people. Uh, Starting in my first room, I was super nervous, uh, super nervous about uh, either over-speaking or under-speaking. Um, I think there's like a lot of, uh, I think people give sh uh, staff writers kind of like too much advice up top mm -hmm. because people go in being like, well, the staff writer should listen. No, the staff writer should speak. No, the staff writer should only yes and. No, the staff writer should just be good at jokes. And you go in being like, oh, no. Like, And the truth of the matter is it's every single room is different and every showrunner is different and every show is different and every person is different and has different unique 
qualities and different unique reasons that you were brought into that room. Um, so I think it's trying to be self-aware and trying to listen um, and see what's working. And of course, there's a learning period. Uh, there was definitely a point where I was like, oh, no, like, I think I might be pitching too many jokes. Mm-hmm. And this is and this is more of a sci-fi we're working on right now. Uh, let me scale back and course correct. And I, because you're a staff writer, I oftentimes I, you hopefully get the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so long as you're showing that you're <laughs> happy to be there, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, bothering the room uh, and your course correcting is, you know, working because um, it doesn't always work for everyone. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's just go in, be, you know, ready to learn. It's such a fun thing to get to learn from people who have more experience than you. Um, and so I feel like I just got really lucky in terms of having really good mentors right off the bat, people who were willing to be like, hey, put your phone away. And I was like, oh, no, like, yeah, that's, you know, absolutely. like, don't be a de-. And you're just like, oh, like, I, whoa, like, I am a millennial. And I'm a dick. <laughs> Um, and now I leave it in my office and try to not be a dick. And, you know, and so uh, I'm grateful for all those people who gave me that um, that advice. But, yeah, I, I had a really positive experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, piggybacking on everything you just said, that every room is different. You have to take it how it is. I, too, you know, working in Chandelin, first room I was in, other than the people who were running the show day to day, there was one other guy. And myself. And he was a part of a writing team uh, with a woman. And so, you know, that first room really does set the tone for your career. First of all, is the show going to go on? How nice were the people to you? Are mm-hmm. they trying to look at you like you are going to be a full-fledged writer and a person, especially for me, because I was coming out of the Disney Fellowship. And so it's like, that can go both ways. It's like, you don't have an office and you're an intern or you're one of us, you know, mm-hmm. type vibe. And I was just so terrified uh, going in and I wasn't someone who I think it's a little bit different in drama than comedy you don't have to like pop off I pop off a little bit more now in the room uh, <laughs> with jokes and shit but like I don't think that's expected as much um, and I just didn't naturally have that gene anyway to sort of come up with stuff on the on the, on the fly so I always made a point to when I went home at night I was like this was the end point this is where we left off and I would try and suss out the information on where we think we're going to jump off tomorrow and then I would spend the night thinking of that because I always wanted to have two things that I could say that were on paper that I didn't have to come up with in my mind Mm -hmm. that I could say that I knew were smart and sometimes you get beat to that and you're like shit they beat me to it or it doesn't come around or the showrunner's like let's talk about this and you're like I didn't prepare for this what (laughs) Um, and then I would try and do the same exact thing at lunch and like that's sort of how I got through and I remember getting to the 4th of July my first season having a drink and we were going to have the extra day off and I'm like I don't know if I can do this for like another for like 10 years but that was sort of my process in the beginning to attempt to just have so I could feel comfortable and then the other thing was like and Carol from the CBS program Mm -hmm. would say this all the time it's like you know this is a 12 hour road trip is really what it is Mm -hmm. so everyone has certain talents but at the same time it's like do you like to be around this person for 12 hours? That's it. So the one thing you want is if we're staying super late, like I knew I couldn't be like, oh, I'm so tired. Or, oh, I want to go out with my friends. It had to be like when you looked at me when you were pitching and you were the co-EP, you were going to see someone who was smiling and nodding and energetic and excited. And then the last thing I did, which was totally crazy, I was obsessed with the idea that like maybe I couldn't write. Like maybe I couldn't write the show. Oh, yeah. So what I was doing is the outlines would come in and I would take that script home and I would do like – I would either do two acts or sometimes write the whole script of other people's outlines. And then I would compare what they had done, like what came out with what I had done. Now, of course, it's cheating because they did a lot of the heavy lifting. But I was just trying to get the voice and seeing, like, do I stack up? And slowly I was like, wait a second. I don't know that, like, what I'm writing isn't better. And then my boss, who's a great dude, took me out and he said, you know, just ask how I was doing. This is probably, like, 
a month and a half in. And uh, I told him that out of fear, I had done this thing where I was writing the outlines for all the scripts. And he's like, so we go back to my office and he goes, did you do one for six? And I said, yeah, I did. He's like, bring it to my office. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. Like, that's not why I'm doing it. No, 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 forget it. Uh, And uh, he's like, bring them to me right now. So I'd written the first two acts and he sort of read them right in front of me. And he said, you know, he'd be like, good, this is good. This is bad. This is whatever. Dumped it in the trash, and then the next day they were like, "You got the next episode," and so I was like, "And that's just out of fear." So like, um, being neurotic is helpful, which a lot of (laughs) us are really good at, and just fear the fear of 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 failing and wanting to do a good job. Those that was terrible advice. Just work hard. (laughs) No, but I mean, listen, you found a creative and constructive way to deal with the anxiety Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Before we jump over to you two, um, Taylor, you were nodding when when Zahir mentioned. The fear of not being able to write this show, that seems unusual to me, but you you had that too? Oh, absolutely. Especially a, a showrunner on my first show, The Kicks, brought us over to his second show, Just Add Magic, which was a genre show, which is just not where, mm. I, uh, not what I watch, not what I write. It was, I, we were so excited to do it and such big <laughs> fans, but we were like, oh God, it was one of those like sink or swim environments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And on the first day, people are talking about the yellow crayon moment in Buffy, which I can now reference and I've never <laughs> seen. And I was literally like I'm pretty sure I asked if Doctor Who was a real doctor and it was like one of those things where I was just like I am doomed here and I was like oh my god but it was like I was like I refuse to fail here I refuse to fail here Mm -hmm. I refuse Mm -hmm. to let this show let the showrunner down like he's such a great guy Mm -hmm. and making a great thing I refuse to be the weakest link in this room and like went to town just like consuming as much as I possibly could reading and they had done a season prior to bringing us on so watching and seeing what they did and being willing to be like you're right I was wrong or if I pitched something hacky and people would be like, Taylor, that's like a thing. And I'd be like, okay, thank you. Now I know and I'll do that next time. And uh, again, it was a really warm room. Um, but I do think it was monumental learning being in a room that I wasn't prepared to be in because it was like serialized and mystery arcs and uh, all of this genre mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. was like, I realized, oh, it's not, uh, not so different. Like all of it at its core is relationships and storytelling. And when you can like pair back and see that it becomes a lot less daunting, but if the fear of God for fear. sure, oh, yeah. I felt deep, the same way. Fear. Totally, yeah. and someone's going to take my cake. A hundred percent, and and I felt the same way going into my first ever um, like network comedy room, which was Abby's last year, when I, where I was so excited, and it was like so many of my comedy idols, and they had worked on Thirty Rock and Kimmy Schmidt and The Good Place, and and I was like, oh oh no, like they're going <laughs> to find out. Like I I wrote one script, and now oh no, and it's it's this fear. I, yeah, again the fear of God inside of mm-hmm, me but then mm-hmm. uh, the beautiful realization that like oh I do belong here like mm-hmm. I, I do I can hold my own and I can be here um, and a lot of times you know we are writers and we are riddled with self-doubt uh, and, and imposter syndrome is very very real thing right. um, and it's also just remembering like you deserve to be in the rooms that you're in and they brought you on for a reason and it might take a second to like find your footing or get comfortable with your crew but like you deserve to be there and also what makes you a genius in one room will make you an idiot in the next <laughs> like it's not Universal, true. like you're yeah. awesome. It's yeah. like it just might not be the right thing. So, so true. Yeah, that's really funny. And and I think that the trick is because I had the exact same problem in Rain, where I was so freaked out because I felt as a genre writer, like didn't feel like, and Erica a little less so because she actually knew some of the history that we were up against. <laughs> um, but I was just like, I don't know anything about this world. I have so much reading to do. I was just not quite like I couldn't find the right timing or the right stories to pitch. Like I just couldn't grasp 
what kind of stories Rain was about. Um, but I think it's just sort of figuring out even slowly, like just w the reason why you're there. Like if you can't find a reason, create a reason. So like I, you know, I, 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 I'm not I, at the time. Like I, I wasn't quite sinking my teeth into sort of the more relationshipy stories because that wasn't my strength at all. So then I was pitching a lot of like B stories or C runners, where it's like the supernatural witchcraft shit that you know mm -hmm. went on the medieval times. Um, like how about she does this this weird thing? This is this a weird sex cult thing? Like so I was there sort of pitching like the random filler stuff, which is great for a staff writer to do like you're not expected to come up with an amazing pitch that can craft seasons anyway um if great then but you know but that's not the expectation on your shoulders so i was thankfully able to find a little bit of a niche that i can sort of fulfill um and erica on the other hand mm -hmm. read every single mary queen of scott biography she could find <laughs> <a hand. laughs> that's a, a bit of an exaggeration i read a couple <laughs> again but. pimping out the writing partner yeah. you guys are brilliant <laughs> um but yeah i mean i'm just adding to what everyone's already said but uh you know something they teach you in the cbs program is just find the little nooks and crannies that need to be filled you know so like what bowie was saying of pitching sort of on the sea stories that nobody else was really driving as much is a great way to find your sort of spot on the staff. Um, and some another thought I had that was unrelated was um, we were so lucky because on Rain, when we came on, it was season three of the show. Um, but we it was a predominantly female room. And I'm making a huge generalization right now. But a lot of those women were moms. And I feel like moms have a tendency to sort of take care of the lower level writers, you know, like they, they were all so supportive and like were, you know, checking in on us and were so open to, you know, if we had any questions about the process, about how we were doing, they were reliable people that we could just go to and be like, is this okay? And they're like, you're doing great. Yeah. Doing great. And they're you know, like, yay, like your first notes call, like yeah. your first outline, <laughs> like your first scripts. And yeah. they were so supportive and it was a really great environment. And that, yeah, that was so great for a first room experience. It was awesome. And there's something too, I mean, Taylor, you mentioned this jokingly, but there's something to having a partner in those rooms where you can speak for each other and on each other's yes. behalf. Like I'm not a loud room person. But I will say something and my partner will repeat it and get the big laugh. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need the laugh. I just want to go in. <laughs> There's something to that. Um, I want to... I, I just don't believe that you don't need the laugh a little bit. <laughs> That's why I'm out of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it. I feel very comfortable. Um, I want to ask, this is a downer question, but I promise we'll end with a more upbeat one. Uh, in the entire process, uh, from pitching to staffing to writing um, to making the thing... What is the hardest part for you? What's the worst part for you? What's the most challenging part for you? The part you don't look forward to? Hmm. Anyone who wants to jump in. Everything after the first draft. <laughs> <laughs> Before it and after it is all terrible. Uh, yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> I can be more specific. It, it's, yeah. it's, it depends. You know, like I, I worked in a world where we didn't take notes, you know, so notes mm. calls were like foreign to me. So there's been a whole... Mm. different things since I, you know, sort of left the uh, protective arms of, of Shonda, yeah. um, you know, where you have to, you know, it's a real compromise on a lot of things where, you know, in that world, you're just sort of trying to please one person. And if that one person likes it, then that's what's going to happen. Mm. So um, I haven't yet revealing frailty of my own, haven't yet quite figured out, you know, the compromise of the production process when making broadcast TV. Um 
I'm too short in the pilot process to tell you exactly what I'm sacrificing yet, but um, I imagine that after I turn in this script for the first time, that will be the last bit of joy I have. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is something, this is another instance where I'm gonna be able to pimp out my writing partner, but like for me, uh, one of the hardest parts is, and this is gonna be like, it's part of writing, but like coming up with something out of nothing. Like the, just when there's nothing in front of you and it's just like, now what, you know, like it's such a struggle for me to sort of get going, which is why it's so great to have Bowie because she's awesome at that. And she's just throwing stuff out and then I have something to work with and I can go, you know, like, but if it's just me on my own, it's a real struggle to to just like, you know, summon a story or characters out of thin air, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would so- totally agree. Getting started is yeah. always hard. It's like at the end of every project, you're like, OK, I am once again an aspiring writer and I hope that I can do it again. And I hope that my last spec wasn't my last good spec. And oh. it's, you know, but there's a little bit of just like, OK, like getting yourself to sit down and do the work again. And I mean, nothing to me is better than finishing a script, because when you're done, you're like, I did it. I'm brilliant. Mm-hmm. It all yeah. came out and, uh, amazing. And then the white, the blank page again, you're just like, oh, no, like it's 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 very daunting. Yeah, right. um, I would say another one of the hardest things is just remembering trying not to let I feel like the finish line is always moving and like what our idea of success is is always moving and uh, being able to remember that like there's joy outside of success and that like even what? if you know yeah. um, what you need money right yeah exactly <laughs> yes. right yeah and that's all <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and just being able to just remind yourself, like, to try with all your mind to keep your eyes in your own paper and, yeah. um, you know, find joy in other things that aren't just your job, even though oftentimes our job is our hobby and it's hard, a little harder to do it totally. in that capacity. Right. Um, but if you can manage to do that, then you'll be much happier and oftentimes more creative just by default. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Totally agree with what everyone is saying. I think for me, because like we're so knee deep in it right now, like for me, the hardest thing is from the outline to the first draft, Mm. because this is getting a little bit into the nitty gritty of the actual television process. But by the time you're off to script with an outline, you've now had the approval of the showrunner, the studio network, Mm. God knows anyone else who's giving notes on the thing. And then you're, and then for us, like we write pretty detailed pilot uh, outlines. So we have, we're off with a 16, 17 page outline with a lot of every single move and dialogue in there. And then you click on final draft and it's the cursor is blinking and you're like, oh shit, like how do I make the outline spark? And you're so pressured to like, you think you have to just make the outline so, like the script has to be so much better than the outline. Right. Like it, it can't, the same joke is now no longer funny because you've already pitched it 15 times. <laughs> so like now it doesn't feel funny at all. Is this even working? Like is the show not going to read this? It's going to be boring to everyone. And like all of those thoughts just like clog up my mind. And then I find myself cleaning obsessively in the house. And I'm not working <laughs> at all. And it's just that is the hardest part for me. And I, I go into so much self-doubt right. that the, my Twitter followers will see me tweeting a lot <laughs> during this period. And I was like, oh, shit, she must be on script. Do you guys find that there's a, a moment, though, before you're done where you're like, you get to take a breath and you're like, oh, there's it's here. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm going to finish and there's going to be something. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Because that's that part's the best. Yes, <laughs> yes, eventually, so awesome. eventually, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's really finding a way to distance yourself from it. Like, mm. just take take half a day, watch something else, go to a movie, eat something, yeah. or yeah, I think just learning how to not let that fear just cripple you. Totally. Um, I also yeah. find to that the uh, something really helpful, uh, so that you're not looking at the blank page after the outline phase. Just copy paste your outline yes. into Final Draft <laughs> oh, and. Yeah. Spend that's a the good first trick. hour doing slug lines. Yeah. yeah, it is the best. And you're like, then you can stop for lunch in the yeah. morning. And you're like, I did it. This, I had a productive morning. I had to do this stuff, and I accomplished. Yes, this, yes. So going to like, like, like doing something else is great. Um, and oftentimes, I find before I write, like reading something that you find interesting, or you mm. love the voice, or watching something is really helpful. Or in the vein of what you're doing, mm-hmm. in there that helps you. Um, I was writing something once, and I was like, well, let me. T- I really wanted to see Hamilton. Is mm-hmm. that a new thing? Is that a surprise to anyone? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> pretty and, good. and I was so I was writing something and then I went to see Hamilton. I'm like, well, this is gonna be very inspiring. And then about halfway through, I was like, oh, this is like crushing my soul. Because <laughs> it's about a human being who like wouldn't ever stop writing. Like basically yeah. was like, I'm gonna die tomorrow, so I'm never gonna start writing. Written and created by this like singular genius who had come up with this amazing thing about this person that like how did he even conjure that? And so I left and I actually tossed that script because it was like Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, that was depressing. So that backfired on me. Okay. I totally agree, but okay. that backfired but on I me. But I will yes. say, and I've, I've actually said this on the podcast before, because I had the opposite experience with Hamilton, um, because I don't like musicals, mm-hmm. so I was ready to not like it. Right. Um, but I've never had a more inspired period in my life after seeing wow. that. Because I genuinely think, if you are in this, there's a Hamilton in you. Oh. Like... You have the capacity to make that thing that only you can make, that only can be told through your voice. Maybe it wasn't that script for you. Maybe it's the next one. Maybe you're not going to do it for another 10, 15 years. But if you are a person who makes things, you can make a thing as great as this thing. Wow. It's amazing. Can we clap on podcasts? We'll put some in post. I'm also also wondering what percentage of these podcasts mention or devolve into Hamilton conversation. (laughs) 60s, 70%. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me end as we always do by asking you along these lines what you are watching these days that's getting you excited or inspired. What are you talking about with your friends, your rooms, your loved ones? Um, Erica, let's start with you. Oh boy. Um, well, I'm a huge fan of The Expanse and I'm very excited for the next season that's about to come mm-hmm. out. Um, I'm now blanking on everything that I've ever watched. <laughs> I Oh, I just finished Undone, which is also like really inspiring. Um, I'm a huge fan of BoJack, and I'm excited for that, too. And season six just dropped. I know. I need I know, to watch it. I know. We're on script, though. We're not allowed to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be our reward. It will be. Um, I am still writing The High of Succession, yeah. ah, which so is just mind-blowingly good. It's something I never thought I would get into but I like um, I have not stopped talking about it. I can uh, 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 I confirm that. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna bring this down as I do in a lot of TV rooms. Uh, Terrace House it's so good. <laughs> is so my good. absolute obsession. Uh, I'm a reality junkie. Uh, I, you know, I try and defend it by saying things like, "Well." Watching the real world as an 11 year old was the only time I could see black people and Asian people and gay people mm-hmm. on TV. And the first time I heard about abortion, the first time I heard about people talking about race and politics in that way was on the real world, not on network TV. Um, but it is devolved. Below, below deck, <laughs> below deck Mediterranean, the entire Real Housewives franchise. Um, 
I am very excited for the crown to come back. So yes. that pulls me out of the gutter just slightly. <laughs> um, and then I'll end on the MTV Real World Road Rules Challenge. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> sad you didn't say 90 Day Fiance oh, or Great British Baking Show. I, well, Great British Baking Show I'm obsessed with okay, and watch as well. But Thank I feel you. like that's just like too highbrow. You're, you're so right. I mean, it's yeah. real quality. Be in the, yeah, um, but some real, the crown, um, Big Mouth, I think is amazing. And I've learned more about men and women and little boys and little girls watching that show than any other show in, in my lifetime. Totally. Uh, she agrees. I, well, yeah, I was going to say Big Mouth as well. It's like one of my favorites. The new season's fantastic. Uh, also Bojack. Uh, I love Pen15, Fleabag, Barry, pretty generic. The Good Place, obviously. Yeah. One yes. of best shows on television. Um, yeah. All of the shows you guys are writing. Oh, Stumptown's great. Uh, single Parents leads into Stumptown, I know. so I we have, have been we watching. Have, we have a lot of connections. I, <laughs> do, yeah. the, uh, one of the leads of my show is married to the lead of his Absolutely. show. Oh. And back to back, I'm like, what do they yeah, think? I hope what you're okay with our numbers. Exactly. I hope we're yeah, giving like, you a good setup. I'm like, right, like, who blinks who? We definitely watched who you guys. Who? After our, uh, we did a watch of the pilot. Oh, did you? And then you? afterwards, Stumptown came really right good. on, and we were yeah. like, okay, here we go. And Kimberly's on your show, right? Yes. our lead reporter in the White House. Yes scandal for many many years yep. yeah yeah so um great job great job well done thank you <laughs> yeah listen it's a small town we're all a community yeah it's beautiful to see uh thank you all for being here these are all good answers <laughs> thank you for being here please thank come you. back and talk again soon forever dog. this has been a forever dog production Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.